Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 45 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and joining me as always is the woman who was my write-in ballot request for best podcast host, uh, Jules. Hey, <laughs> Jules. I wrote that on a piece of paper, and I mailed it to pod- podcasting at iTunes, and um, so you should be expecting a, you know, a nomination pretty soon. Oh, look, really, it's just the accolades of my fans that are the important thing to me. They really like family, I suppose, because they give me the shits and I want to kill them most of the time. Just like I do with you, Ryan. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TV Chinwag. Post our Comic-Con podcast last week. We're back actually watching television. Yes, finally, hey? Jules, I mean, I've been watching a lot. You have not so much, but I have been catching up on all the stuff that I stopped watching earlier this season. <laughs> I finished uh, Better Call Saul, I finished Trailer Park Boys, I um, went back and watched a few other things. What was it? Some other shows. and You actually watched some of the of... things we'd been reviewing. Yeah, which was good. Um, and I forgot to watch one other one that I'll have to remember to do before I start work again is to finish the season of Shameless, which I, d- I didn't finish. Oh, I, I did the I watched this season of The Red Road, which was fantastic. Yes, which I um, haven't caught up with yet. So yeah, it was that's... very good. They they uh, picked up right where they left off. It was uh, it was good, really good. Um, so we might have you know. to do a. Um, it'd be good to go back to some of the series, particularly new shows that we talked about last year after we'd only watched, uh, you know, three or four episodes, and maybe having watched a, a full season, and and in some cases maybe more, go back and revisit. Because just mentioning Better Call Saul, I mean, we we reviewed that after watching a couple of episodes when it first started, and I think um, that probably bears going back and and uh, looking at the full season and um, things like Red Road, which uh, we both love. But uh, now it's uh, it's had second season to to also talk about that and get people watching good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Red Road again, six episodes, which is just so short. But uh, but I was able to watch the whole season, so I guess I can't really complain. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice for shows to fit in with our schedule. I actually, because I hadn't finished finished watching Better Call Saul, I actually managed to to get in four episodes on on my recent plane trip. So nice. um, it was on uh, it was on the uh, Qantas Entertainment system. Oh, that's pretty cool. Actually, I like that. I, um, when I came back from Scotland on the plane, I watched um, the first uh, first two episodes, I guess, of Fargo again. Oh, yes. Um, So good. Such a good show. And have you seen the trailer for the new season of Fargo? No, I haven't watched it yet. Does it look good? It looks amazing. So as with True Detective, this is a series where it's an all-new cast, an all-new story, although there is a thread that does connect the new season to the old season, but it's set further back in time. actually during the early 80s, I managed to pick up at Comic-Con a Vote for Reagan badge that they were handing out as a promo for, for season two. Um, cool. But it look again, it looks fantastic. It looks, even though it's a, it's a di- different cast, it's an amazing cast. Um, I'm ready for it now. Um, yeah. I would like it. When is it supposed to debut? Very soon. 
she said, okay. not having actually remembered when it is going to debut. Um, but uh, th- that's the other thing. It would be, uh, have you been watching True Detective Season 2? Well, here's the thing about that. Do you remember when they announced the cast of True Detective Season 2? Do you remember what me, I said here on this very podcast? Tell us, Ryan. I said, oh, that smell sounds terrible to have those two guys. I really hope it doesn't happen because I think they'll stink up the joint. And I don't think Season 2 is going to be very good. And when we found out that um, uh, Carrie Jojo Fukuyawa yep. was leaving, um, I said, well, that's, that's, he's what made the first season. Um, and so I watched one episode. Turns out I'm right. And I don't think I'm even going to watch. I asked on Twitter, like, who's liking it? Who's, you know, keep going? And nobody really said keep going. So um, I, I'm, uh, I'm up to date with it. Uh and I suppose we're going to talk about it now. We might as well throw in True Detective Season 2. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think there's two things. One, it, it's it's suffering from uh, the comparisons with the first season. Um, but aside I, from... No, I don't, no, no, I, no, I don't so, compare it to the good season. I compare it to the good season, which was good, and this, which is not good. I mean, I, well, I'm not you, comparing it to that. I'm just rating both of them. Sure. Um, not against each other. I... My, I think there's there's two issues. I think for a lot of people, the actual plot, um, which centres around urban planning in LA uh, and in infrastructure, it's it's very Chinatown in that way. But I think that is not as engaging for many people, except for real nerds like me who know about the history of urban planning and public transport in LA. Um, and I think a lot of some of the dialogue, which was you know central to the first season, um, where that's carried over here, whether it's the performances and or the actual writing of the characters, just sounds like purple prose and is not carried. So I mean, there's a lot of the stuff that Matthew McConaughey, in particular, carried off in the first season that, in the mouth of anyone else. And with a different character, you would have just been laughing at it. It would have sounded so cheesy. But he managed to make all that, sell all that stuff. Yeah, you know, when you've got Vince Vaughn talking about life, you know, life is a piece of paper mache or something. It it doesn't fit either with the character, or mm-hmm. it, it just comes across as a bit wanky and pretentious. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I'm not. I'm not hating it. Like uh, I, I'm engaged enough to know, to know what happens, and I don't think I'm not finding the performances terrible. But it, it is very hard to think. Would I be watch keep watching it if I'm? Why am I still watching it? Because I'm <laughs> <laughs> because it's better than watching an episode of CSI. Maybe, but I, it's I not mean, better than watching The Red Road. No, probably not. And why so. are you not watching that? And I know I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, and that's what I keep thinking every time I'm watching it. Sure. And I mean, I like I said, I watched the first episode. I watched the, the most of the first episode with it minimized, just because I thought it was so terrible, and I just had to get through to the end to say that I've seen it. But I mean, the dialogue was just atrocious, and yeah. the delivery was laughable. I mean, the delivery these actors gave was like it was you know blocking, and they were up for blocking rehearsal. It wasn't like okay, this is take six, let's really nail it this time. It, it makes me think that the director, um, Jeremy Lin, 
who was the director of the Fast and Furious movies, which I think are terrible as well, is a really bad director who spends all his time setting up the shot and none of his time actually getting performances out of his actors. I think that is evident on the screen. Okay. Um, Our two leads, or the two big names, um, uh, I think phoned in their performances to the nth degree. I don't think they understood the material that they were delivering. And I, I... if I'm going to go out on a limb and be a pretentious asshole about it, I think they were expecting multiple takes and didn't get them. Right. Um, the, 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 the cop, the female cop, um, she was good. I mean, that was an interesting character. I could watch more of that. Yes. Um, um, I think she was solid and she was, you know, she was torn in different directions. And Do you think it suffers somewhat too from the, um, Look, and you know, as I said, I think it's hard to tease apart some of the what's the responsibility of the, of the director or the actors or the writing. But I think the ensemble nature of it didn't help me because um, none of them were almost felt like they got enough space. And as you said, I was connecting with her character and her story, and then we're back to you know Vince Vaughn as as the as the criminal, you know, who's trying to make a, a a deal to build, you know, shopping malls and stuff, and and, and I'm like, oh, you know, who gives who gives a fuck? Oh, I do because it's actually interesting, but um, he's not interesting doing it, and I don't get mm. his character and his, <clears throat> you know, it's almost that, uh, you know, that sort of tired trope of oh, he's trying to get out of being a criminal, and they keep pulling him back in, and it's like, oh, you know, I need something. I need some original take on that. I, th- I find that there's some very well-worn tropes here. And I find um, Colin Farrell's character really just, uh, you know, he could... He could yeah, I don't like him and I don't find anything interesting about him. And it's playing again with that tired old trope of, you know... You know, maybe he's got a heart of gold, even though he's actually an asshole and he's done all these terrible things. But, you know, his wife's terrible for not wanting to let him see their son. And it's like, well, I wouldn't let him near my goldfish, for, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think uh, he plays the character really well, but I just want to have a bath after watching him. Yeah. Yeah, he's very yucky. I didn't like him at all when I saw it. Um and I like, you know, I, I I like him, I guess, as an actor and other things. Um, I think as an actor, he did he did an okay job, better than Vince Vaughn, whom I do like in other things, and was just really shocked at how milk toast he came uh, across in this, just how bland and and unexcited. Anyways, I, I I don't think I'll keep watching. Maybe I will, but what a what an absolute waste of potential so mm. far. I had a I was having a discussion last night and shout out to my other friend called Ryan if you're listening. Um and that was about what influence it had not having the same director because we had Fukunawa in the first season directed every episode. <clears throat> and noticeably there's a um pretty uh unsubtle bit of trolling because they actually have a character in you wouldn't have got to it, but episode five or something, they have a they have a character in the show who's basically a send up of Fukunawa. So whatever happened between him and Nick Pizzolatti didn't end well, mm. um, and um, I think you could be on to something in terms of the getting the actual performances and the actual way the actors are filmed. Beautiful shots of LA, and 
you know, I'm I've got a kink for anything that shows the infrastructure of LA. So that gets shots of free aerial shots of freeways will get me a long way. Um, so <laughs> you're a sick woman, you know that. I am a sick woman, <laughs> um, but just because uh, you don't have a car, this sort of stuff just fascinates you. Oh, it does, and. Um, <laughs> Many years ago, back in the 80s, there was an amazing book written called City of Quartz, which looked at the history of the development of Los Angeles going back to the 20s and the various forces which uh, were basically about who owned who mm. owned all the money and resources in LA at the time and how that shaped how the city actually grew up. And um, mm-hmm. someone quoted to me while I was there recently, and I'm not sure where it originated, a quote that, yeah, Los Angeles is a, is a collection of towns in search of a city. Um, mm. Don't get me started. I can wank on about this more than I can about broadcast platforms. So. Great. Well, let's not get started <laughs> oh. on that. Um, but, yeah, look, I think um, True Detective Season 2 will be chalked up as one of the biggest failures in television history. Yeah, and I would agree with you in that a lot of people, like myself, have been watching purely based on the brand and what we got out of season one. Um, And the brand isn't there, is it? Well, and it's interesting, having seen what they're doing with Fargo season two, which is so... And not even having seen it yet, so I'm, I'm prepared to be proven wrong with this, but just seeing the trailer... The brand is obvious. Even if you just see that trailer, you go, oh, yeah, that's Fargo. Um, So I think, and this is, American Horror Story, I suppose, has been the most uh, obvious uh, anthology type series like this. And although it's not something I've, I've enjoyed, it's been very clear with its brand and that generally people who have watched each season you know you know what the style i've only watched a couple of seasons you know what the style is going to be and and they keep doing that thing in different formats and i think maybe the issue here for true detective is there is not really a connection between season one and season two (laughs) in terms of style or themes or motives or acting um i think quality yeah, or visual quality as well. So uh, just in the terms of if I was going back to the network to say True Detective Season 3, what are, what am I telling them this show's what Season 3 is going to look like? It could, you know, it could be, look like it. You know, it could be a history of, um, you know, fishing off San Diego. I mean, the, the, there's no sense of what this series is about whereas other anthology series i think like fargo like american horror story are very clear of what their mission is um and again look there are worse things you can be watching on television but um there are a lot of better things like red road season two obviously yes um so justin lynn is the director this is the same guy that did the fast and the furious he's also one of the executive producers on scorpion so that pretty much answer all questions that need to be asked answered about that. Um, yes, let's let's not uh, open up your scorpion rage. You know how I get when we talk about scorpion. So maybe what we could do is move on to one of our first shows. I know we we're going to talk about Emmys, but let's use this as a segue. The antithesis of the scorpion, which is the new series called Mr. Robot. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. There's a powerful group of people out there that are secretly running the world. I'm talking about the guys no one knows about, the guys that are invisible. The 
top 1% of the top 1%, the guys that play God without permission. And now I think they're following me. Employee number ER280652. Just a regular cybersecurity engineer, but I'm a vigilante hacker by night. What if you could set in motion the single biggest incident of wealth redistribution in history? Their networks are getting attacked. $13 million. That's exactly how much they lost. Who did this? One guy. The whole thing comes down. Oh, hi. Elliot. Just a tech. And yes, we're doing these backwards, Jules. I know we were going to do the other one first, but you can't ruin a good segue. You can't ruin a good segue, Ryan. And given that you discovered this series while I was off not watching television, I think you should... And I sent you frantic messages. Oh, my God, people. You must investigate everything you can about Mr. Robot when you're at Comic-Con. I'm at Comic-Con and I've got Ryan texting me going, I'm only 10 minutes into this and it's the best thing I've ever seen. Find everything about Mr. Robot. And you watch didn't. it watch it now and it's yeah. like <laughs> stop just right? stop on the floor download it on your phone and watch it <laughs> there, um, there was a cu- couple of panels um and christian slater did a, a nerd hq i unfortunately didn't get to to either of those not i not... did watch it uh on youtube oh and was it good yeah it was yeah. christian slater and um and uh remy uh remy remy, remy Malik. Malik, yeah, yeah who plays the, um, the lead who plays the lead yeah and uh, they, uh, yeah, they answered questions. It was good. It was really, you know, it was casual. They, were, you know, Remy was a little awkward because you know he'd never really done panel before, and of course Slater was an old pro, and they just <laughs> answered questions. They'd only had three episodes at the time, so yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, interest. So it seemed like the audience was a bit sparse, but um, yeah, man, they were really excited about it, and so am I. And I hope so, so are you, Jules. Why don't Why don't you tell us what Mister Robot is about? So Mister Robot is told through the a style very very similar to Fight Club in the fact that there's a <laughs> the main character narrates sort of his own life and his own ongoings he plays uh Remy Malik plays Elliot who's an introverted uh computer nerd hacker whom we meet when he's um sitting down to talk with a the owner of a cafe uh, a chain of cafes and he slowly starts revealing to this owner that he has hacked into his system and discovered that he's got a server full of child porn. And he does it very awkwardly and, and very antisocially. He's not very well adjusted around people. He's very um, on his own and doesn't like to go outside of his own territorial bubble sort of thing. So he explains to the viewer, to you, that that's him really taking a charge and changing up uh, the way he does things. He could have done it all online, but decided he needs to try and get out there more. And so he sets up the guy to be arrested by the police. Uh, We find out he's not after money, he's not extorting him, he's not blackmailing him, he's just sort of being a bit of a Robin Hood. So that starts our story about Elliot, um, who isn't Mr. Robot, as you might uh, expect him to be. Mr. Robot turns out to be an older hacker who manipulates Elliot into joining his hacking society uh, called F Society, who is out to destroy the status quo, as it were, and bring down big business. Again, very much like Fight Club. Um, 
and through Elliot's life, he works uh, his day job at a security firm um, that makes everybody all called All Safe that makes um, their big corporate clients secure and prevents hackers and all these sorts of things. Um, so you sort of have this polar dipoleness um, <coughs> for Elliot, where during his day job he's a good guy, and at night he's a bit of a uh, I would say maybe may more of a gray hat hacker. I, I wouldn't call him white hat necessarily, but he's not really black hat. I don't. He's not out to screw people over. I don't think. Well, except for bad people. Um, so I'm not sure how you classify him, and it's not really talked about. But one of the most intriguing things about this show, and one thing that had me salivating from the get go, is all of its computer terminology stuff is right on the fucking money. They. You can tell they went and hired hackers that know what they're doing, and um, you know the people that do all the burn-ins on the screens and stuff, and build the interfaces. Built the interfaces. So when they're talking about this technology and these forms of hacking, it's all 100% accurate, which to me is a godsend. Thank you, thank you, million it's times. It's so thank rare, you for doing isn't that. it? And in a um, yeah. in an age where like even your most basic procedural has some pretensions to, you know, they always have those, uh, you know, they'll have some uh, transparent screen in the middle of the office where things are projected and like they're always right. trying to up the tech and show that and they usually fail miserably. It's either just right. uh, there for show uh, or like Scorpion, they they you know, they basically fake their way really badly and anyone who, you know, owns a smartphone is going to say, you know, these days yeah. I would hope would would see how shit it is. And um, I think it's, it's, it's often telling, um, you know, technology and where and when it shows up on, on uh, TV shows for, in particular, um, you know, is often the thing that... Um, can expose a show either for you know who's who's involved in running it um mm. and uh, dates a show i mean i think it's still telling that um and we've talked um we've talked in other shows about how hard it is to show you know like the ubiquity of social media is is rarely portrayed on tv because it's really hard to show text messages or twitter or facebook stuff integrated into the storyline yet it's unbelievable that you know, you turn on any TV show that people aren't doing this all the time because we all are. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, from that side of things through to the technical side of, of you know, th and this is quite specialised, I suppose, in the hacking world, but the fact that they, you know, f for someone like me, I'm not, I don't have the level of knowledge you do, but I can, I can smell a rat a mile off, you know, I can smell when it's stinky, um, and you can smell, tell when it's actually got some internal coherence and, and basis in reality. Yeah, absolutely, and they talk about, you know, real-term knowledge. I mean, you're not a, a computer expert, but you know your way around a you know the internet yeah. and 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 applications and the stuff like yeah. that. So you don't need to I know, know what, what a file names to, look like. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't know what a, uh, need to know what a Tor router is or how you you know program a Raspberry Pi or any of those things. But you you know that they exist yeah. and that's you know a basis of of reality. And even if you don't, you understand that hey, we're doing A and B to get to C. Yes. You don't have to be a fucking genius yeah. to do that. Um, so to me, that's good writing. That's quality. That's people putting you know attention to detail. These are all important things when you're telling stories, yeah. and it's all stuff that gets 
lost. You know, you know, be relevant to the world that your your characters live in. Yeah, and it'd you be know, too many times in in television you see you know mid twenties or mid thirties guys who you know decide they want to listen to their music and they put on old nineteen sixties nineteen seventies music. Well, who's really listening to that music? Is it the characters or is it the creators of the show? Well, that's what I mean. I'm going to guess it's the creators. Exactly. Of the show. It, it, it's often. Um... You know, if I see one more lone wolf detective listening to jazz on vinyl, I'm going to, you know, shoot myself. Um, but anyway, right. getting back to Mr. Robot, um, and you reference Fight Club at the beginning. And yeah. I, I, first of all, I want to go back to, you know, my first thought was, oh, here we have the stereotypic guy on the spectrum. You know, he's got some sort of whether he's Asperger's right, or social right. anxiety yeah. disorder, yeah. doesn't do well. The thing we hate, the fucking mechanic that we fucking hate and we've bitched about time and time again. Yeah. The mechanic that's ruined every damn cop show in the last six years. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but with the character Elliot that Rami Malik plays fantastically, they actually, yes. what is different is you actually believe that he does and this actually yeah. fucks his life. You know, the guy's addicted to morphine to try and, to try and deal with his anxiety. He is actually in therapy. Um, You actually get a sense of why he, you know, of how this is for him. And what they do, and I'll I'll be interested in your take on this, and this is where I think the fight club element comes into it. He's also a very, if you like, it is his POV and a interesting narrator in that you start to think how much of what we're seeing is his own paranoia, is his own hallucinations or, or what's going on in his head. For example, there's often he often glimpses these men in suits following him or that. It's not clear if they're actually following him or he's just paranoid. Um, mm-hmm. The big corporation that uh, he gets involved with taking down is literally called Evil Corp. <laughs> And, that was the only thing that really kind of like, oh, really? That's, that's a bit cheap. But that's what I'm, uh, you know, and then you start to think. So he, he gets sort of recruited by the Mr. Robot, the Christian Slater character. And then by episode, I haven't watched the last, this week's episode. I'm up to episode, I've just finished episode four. You know, I'm starting to think, is Mr. Robot real? Is he actually, hmm. uh, you know, is he actually a manifestation of, of, of yeah. Elliot in some way? And I've started yeah. to go... Okay, he's in the middle of Elliot's office, and no one else is speaking to him or seeing him. And I don't know; that could be a total, um, you know, me me getting paranoid. But mm, it starts. No, I think I think you're right on with that. I mean, it hasn't been revealed, but I think he'll be his Tyler Durden, as it was. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that same episode when they're in the pub and the bartender only talks to Elliot. He doesn't talk to the other guy, even though the other guy's got a drink in his hand and, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm quite sure that Mr. Robot is is not real. I think he's yeah. part of Elliot's head. But then again, I'm just guessing. I don't, no, I don't no, really it hasn't, know that. It, um, the good thing the is telling, they, haven't, um, they haven't signposted that. So it doesn't... Um, it, 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 we could both be absolutely wrong. It could be read either way. Um, but things like... E Corp being evil Corp, <laughs> it starts to yeah. make me think. And 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 um, anyway, go on. Um, it, it, one of the cool filmmaking techniques that, and I don't know if it's Sam Ishmael who's um, said to do this, or if it's the DP or, or whoever it is. But if you look at the framing of every shot, um, if it's a two shot, instead of the characters being front and center or using the rule of thirds. 
they put, say, the two characters down in the corner of the frame. Yep. Yep. And then the rest of the frame is an empty wall. Yep. Yep. And it's a really strange, it's almost jarring how they're framing these shots. And it was kind of annoying for a little while until I started really looking at what they're doing. And it's like they're framing the shot for something that's not there. Mm-hmm. So when the two people are, are sitting at a table, the center of the frame would be where somebody would be standing if they were talking to mm-hmm. them. So there's all these situations where they're using these bizarre framings. Um, and I don't know if it's just trying to be arty or if that's part of telling the story that there's someone else in the conversation or, you know, there's something missing uh, from, from what we're supposed mm. to be seeing. Or it's just representing that there is something off about the interaction or, or the, um, you know, a lot of the, I suppose, the theme going through this is seeing things from different points of view. You know, who mm-hmm. who's the terrorist hacker and who's the Robin Hood and who's the evil corporation, um, you know, uh, who's good and who's who who's bad. Um, there's other little Easter eggs, I suppose. The um, one of the senior VPs at Evil Corp um, is called Tyrell, an obvious Blade Runner shout out, and it gets revealed that bizarrely he's Russian um, and has a very interesting relationship with his wife. Um, is he Russian? I, th- I think they thought it was Dutch. Oh, is it Dutch? Is it or, or Swedish? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think he's Russian. Oh, but yeah, okay. Go ahead. Oh, that would make sense because the actor's actually Swedish. Sorry. Mm. There you go. He's don't be racist. Don't be racist. Sorry, I apologise <laughs> for my bad lack of um, European languages. Um, so that that yeah, you you're continually thrown because things come up, and and that's what I like about the storytelling here is, um, it's different. You haven't I haven't seen this type of. You don't see this type of storytelling a lot. It's um, making you work in terms of what's going on. Um, ca- characters are introduced that, uh, and there's side, you know, subplots going on, such as with um, uh, Angela, who's who's Elliot's childhood friend, um, who, you know, who initially appears quite, you know, apple pie and girl next door, and yeah it's 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 fast you get into the different characters but then there's um the way these stories are being told and the fact that you don't quite feel you can trust this central point of view makes you start to doubt everything you know is she just that way because that's how he sees her and uh, we're just at the meaty part i think now it's only 10 episodes so uh, we're halfway through at the moment and has been picked up for a, a a second season yeah it was picked up immediately which I think is great. And, and um, who was it? Somebody I just saw posting. Oh, it was Chris Hardwick. Says, you know, he, he's only 10 minutes in and he's, always, he's already fucking in love with Mr. Robot. <laughs> uh, and it's true. I think that's all you need is the first 10 minutes. And if you don't get it by then, you're not going to get it. Uh, but Now, interesting, right. a number of people I'd mentioned this to, uh, the actual turnoff was uh, Christian Slater. It was like, oh, no. Because mm. let's face it, Christian Slater pretty much plays Christian Slater in, in most roles, as he does here to some extent but he's very much Mm -hmm. a minor character in this it is a Remy Malek vehicle he is the central character um so if you're he's fantastic oh and his portrayal is how he managed and he's so interesting to look at like his face he's just so interesting to look at and the way as I said you know he's playing a a very well-worn trope but 
Yeah. It's both the writing and the performance makes it into something else. And for once you actually, as I said, you feel this guy's vulnerability and you feel why this guy is at, at the fringes of, of the world he lives in. It's not just, you know... I'm making inappropriate jokes in social situations type thing. You know, this guy is suffering mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and has been had hard things happen to him as well in his life and he is mm-hmm. good at what he does. But I also like that other people are good at what they do as well. I think often these shows there's like the the central characters, the uh, you know, the savant or the the genius, but although he's good at what he does, He's not made out to be sort of superhuman at what he does. He's just, you know, he's a really right. good hacker. Yes. And, for example, the head of the company he works for, um, of All Safe Security, who could be the sort of character who's made out to be a bit of a buffoon, um, is also good at what he does. Um, he's, he's got his own his own quirks, uh, social quirks and that, but he's, he's actually good at what he does and he's sort of on the trail of tracking down what... Um, what Elliot might be involved with. And I like that. So people aren't... Um, none of the characters so far are being played as as fools, mm-hmm. um, which actually no. raises the stakes. Um, everyone's good at what they, what they do, and uh, it does at least avoid that... Um, you know that oh I'm I you know I'm socially awkward but I'm a genius and there's and he's also not an asshole to people which I like because that's another trope yes. that often happens is oh you have to forgive the fact that I'm being a dick to you because I'm I'm wonderful at IT um, and it avoids it avoids that totally people call him on his shit uh, it, it's obvious that he's he's not a bad person he's quite there's a bit of niceness in there but he's a difficult definitely a difficult person to be around and to have in your life um minor performances and he's yeah and he's a he's a bit of a loser isn't he yeah i mean i mean not not in the fact that he's he's just unpopular well also he's um he's you know what he's been through in his life and and whatever you know if you want to say sort of neuropsych condition he has uh and how he self-medicates on it um affect his life they're not helping him have a good life he's not he's not the sort of house uh you know i i can at least roll around in the fact that i'm smarter than everyone else that doesn't help him at all uh and he has a desire to make connections um and one of the minor roles that i really like is um is the actor who plays shayla who's he he sort of becomes is his drug supplier slash girlfriend um and you know the minor roles like that also help flesh out that people sort of like him, but they're also not prepared to put up with, you know, his shit if you like. Um, mm-hmm. So that again takes it out of those well-worn sort of stereotypes. I think. Um, <laughs> you also get introduced to the hacking group that Mr. Robot works with, um, Darlene, who's a sort of a young chick, um, and then there's. Uh, a couple dudes, and then there's a the older black guy. Is he from The Wire? Oh, it's it's funny you say that. I'm looking it up as we speak because um, because he has to be, doesn't he? He I kept he's thinking, so familiar, but I, kept, I don't know what he's no, from. No, um, I should have looked that up beforehand. But um, we're only just at the point of really getting to know them as um, as individuals. Um, yeah. And again, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with all those roles because the, 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 mm-hmm. they start off as sort of being not particularly 
differentiated. Um, but then I'm only, you know, I'm only five five episodes in. Um, I can't actually find. Oh, here we go. Um, yes. No, he wasn't in the wire. There you go. What is he from? Nothing we know. Um, unless you've been seeing some off off Broadway theatre productions. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ron Cephas. I swear he's been. Isn't his name Ron? Uh, Ron, Ron Cephas uh, Jones. Or Kyphus. Ron C. Jones. This is a fascinating, fascinating podcasting here, everyone. As exactly. we, as as <laughs> Ryan and I. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sit and click through to I- IMTB. IMDB. Wow. Oh, hey, I can get a discount on penis enlargement. Hold on just one second. I'm gonna follow this link <laughs> you know what happened to that last time. He's been in a couple of episodes of Banshee. He was in Low Widow's Son, which got cancelled. Um, but nothing nothing yeah, we would nothing. know. Oh, weird. Law That's and, so weird. I totally thought I recognised him. Law them. and Order. No, I think hmm. we're just being racist. Um, Probably, yeah. Uh, but no, he's great. Uh, he's very good. He plays like the older, the older style hacker that knows, you know, a bunch of the old, old timey stuff, and um, you know, sort of set in his ways about how you hack into things. And then there's a couple of girls, one like super quiet uh, Muslim girl that doesn't talk. Um, and then there's, you know, it's it's a cool little sort of subgenre of people that's. Uh, you know, keeping the story a little bit fresh and, well, and I, keeping it a little bit of a heist going. Yeah, on. and I, I look forward to those characters both this season and, and into next season developing. The other one I really like, who's who's uh, sort of uh, had a minor role, but is his um, psychiatrist as well. Um, mainly because I, I really like the the actor who I haven't seen since she was on. Um, ER. Um, but mm. again, as I said, I like the fact he's actually in therapy. <laughs> that some, somehow well, that, that makes is... me happy that he's he is actually in therapy because so often, um, you know, with these sort of characters and playing this trope, it's like, you know, the fact that they may need therapy or medication or anything is never even addressed because they're just quirky and an asshole and a, right. and a savant. Um, and right. uh, uh, yeah, I like. I like that concept, and I like, um, uh, and I like her as a as an actor. Yeah, no, she was great. I, you know, and I like the fact that he starts fucking with her and starts, you know, controlling their sessions, and then he's getting mad at himself for trying to control the sessions. And yeah, um, you know, it's a really cool little dynamic that he is struggling with himself. I should be trying to get help, and yet yeah. here I am sitting and yeah, I'm, and I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to, to engineer her. Yes, and and I know. But he keeps going because he wants, again, he wants that help and he wants to, uh, his way of, of trying to deal with things is trying to, you know, control everything. And it's like, all I can, and his way of finding out about people, obviously, is to hack into their emails and that. And I like mm-hmm. the fact that they make the point that this doesn't tell you about people all the time. You know, you don't mm. get, you don't get everything about someone just from knowing you know their emails and their social media interactions, um, but that's how that's how he feels he's going to get to know people. Yeah, and it's interesting at the moment. Uh, again, halfway through the season, that uh, that 
it's very character driven even though there's this overarching you know hackers versus the evil corporation heist thing going on that's not what's drawing me through it at the moment uh, it's actually discovering more about the characters and um yeah. uh, even things like when the the people at uh, the the company uh, elliot works at or go to the boss's place for dinner i mean that mm-hmm. in itself was the dynamics between the characters mm-hmm. um his his ch- his childhood friend who who works with him uh, and the interaction with her boyfriend and what's going on there. And, uh, yeah, I just... The single Asian guy. <laughs> Again, who's doesn't fall into a trope. I mean, he's amusing... Uh, just because yeah. he's an amusing character. And again, he's also good at his job. He's not a dupe. Right. It's not Elliot's better than everyone he works for. Um, and I, again, I can't say how much I love it. <laughs> not going to that place. Yeah. But if yeah. you're not watching, yeah. why should people watch Mr. Robot in 25 words or less? Remy Malik. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's really fucking good. And he's re- he will get you. He will really get you. He's a he's a really talented actor, and this mm. is a really broad character. And um, if you like that, you should watch it. If you're into computers and technology and internet and hacking and capers and and Christian Slater, well, there's another twelve dozen reasons. For it. <laughs> and even if you if you're not into Christian Slater, watch it anyway. Um, I I like Christian Slater. I don't mind him. You know, I liked him. I don't like him in this as much as I liked him in other stuff. Like uh, my own worst enemy, I liked yeah. him very much. Yeah, That's, I don't. I don't act. I, 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 in this, I wish. Uh, not that I would. I would change it, but I, I would cast somebody maybe different mm. for it. Um, but it, but then sort of the, but then the his, fact that it's got Christian Slater is probably why this got picked up by USA. I guess so because it's yeah. a, not. A, it's sort of out of the box for their brand and you know like if this was on i would believe if this was you told me this was a netflix show i would buy that in a heartbeat yeah it's, it's, or stars. it's yeah or amc um no i wouldn't buy it as an amc show no. no, I think it's got more of that Netflix feel to it. I think it's um, it's that out of... It does of, not have a USA Networks feel. No, no. And I think... So don't let that put you off, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like... So this is a... I suppose this is a serialised show. Uh, it's, it's, it's not... Epi- you know, it's not Cybercrime of the Week or anything. Um, but... It, yeah, I just—it's really excellent storytelling, and um, yeah, I—I I, I can't pimp it enough. I was uh, thank you for harassing me, uh, Ryan. To, to uh, <laughs> I literally got off the plane and was downloading this because I know you wanted to review it last week, but jet lag yeah. got the better of me. But I—I I have caught up very quickly and can't wait to see the rest of it. I think this will be something that uh, the season's going to be over before a lot of people discover it, but that's fine because they'll—they'll rediscover it once it turns up on some streaming service like i don't know if it'll be on netflix or, or amazon or something but get well they can watch it on the usa network website right now so oh they've got all the back this, go, and you live in america go to that site and you can watch all the episodes or if you don't live in america but you have enough internet know-how to know how to watch the usa network site watch it on the usa network because <laughs> exactly. yeah. uh, it will be the show for you um yeah so really 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 recommend this it's, it's been a bit under the wire it's uh it's not your classic summer summer tv show uh and um it, it, i think this is the one that you'll want to say that you got in on the ground floor when everyone else is saying how wonderful it is i i predicted that it's this year's true detective or this year's fargo would you agree 
as far as uh, coming out of the, like a dark horse. I don't it know certainly is and... as far as a dark dark horse goes. I think it's a little bit too, and this is a compliment left of mainstream for it to get that broad critical acclaim that those two series got. Um, you know, there are people who get, who don't want to watch a, a morphine addict uh, hacker show, and so uh, it is a show that's grown up about drugs and sex. So uh, I, I know that that's the sort of thing some people don't like to watch for some reason. Um, although I don't think there's been any really explicit sex. Oh, there has. There has. No. There has that one scene where um, Tyrell. Um, Fucks the 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 PA um, in order to hack his phone. Oh right, that was. But but other than that, mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that, um, but yeah, look, do watch it and um, let us know what you think. Like tweet us, and um, we I think we'd both like to get on the pimping Mr. Robot. Uh, we mightn't have as big a reach as Chris Hardwick but um, we, we'd like to get <laughs> on the pimping Mr. Robot uh, train mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. I followed uh, Remy Malik, uh, Sam Ishmael and Mr. Robot on Twitter so I'll make sure that I tweet this review out and just let them know, hey, job well done you guys. Keep making cool shit. Um, Sam Ismail, the creator I thought was fairly interesting hasn't done a lot of stuff. Um, he did a movie um not too long ago called ooh, do you have it up in front of you no i'm relying on you ryan uh, you're the one with the tech skills yeah i i know that actually jules um you don't need to tell me that oh yes it was a movie called comet um which was uh yeah, got some some acclaim uh emmy rossum is in it and justin long and it was um he wrote and directed it uh a feature came out last year um, about a comet. Emmy Rossum, of course, is the uh, is the star of Shameless. Yes. Is it was it about a comet? No, it's about two lovers. I think two people that get together, oh. some, a couple. Okay. Um, but apparently, Sam is uh, dating Emmy. Is Ooh. Oh, you heard it here first, people. We not only give you critical reviews, we give you the gossip as well. Yep. What we'll is this TV chinwag or TMZ? I don't know. Hard to tell, isn't it? I'm glad you're bringing us the the juicy stuff, Ryan. I'll bring the gossip. I, I yeah, I'm not. Somebody has to. Um, so that's sort of his claim to fame. Uh, that's he has that movie. He did a story uh, story by for uh, Mockingbird, which was a very low rated show last year, and uh, and Mr. Robot. And geez, I think he's knocked it out of the park. And I think, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and just say this. I think that this is a really good example of networks getting the hell out of the way and letting the artists create the show. Yep. If this was on NBC, it wouldn't be the same show. If this was on, it would like be Scorpion. Said, if it was on, <laughs> it would be motherfucking Scorpion. It would be fucking Scorpion. Oh, don't get me started again, Jules. I know. <laughs> sorry, I. I... I hit the rage button there for you. But, oh, um... <laughs> God. So, anyways, um, it also won the Audience Award at South by Southwest uh, this year. So, there you go. That's um, Mr. Robot, and you should be watching it. Cool. Uh, coming up next, we do have an actual Netflix series, um, which has Netflix series written all over it, and that is Sensei. 
few know what it means to be reborn, a sensate. A what? She saw her, but that's just the beginning. I can feel you. But you're not really here, are you? You are no longer just you. You all start to feel strange things. Anger and joy and pain. Pleasure without any reason. You have seven other selves now. You can access each other's knowledge, language, skills. by um, J. Michael Straczynski, who I know from uh, Babylon 5 Days, who also writes comics, and the Wachowskis. Um, if you ha- and the LGBT community's um, um, agenda-pushing um, uh, <laughs> wing of their <laughs> television production division. Yes, we have taken propaganda is what the word I was looking for. The oh propaganda yes, I know you're, you're so you're outfit. so busy dealing with the challenges to your sexuality and gender concepts that you can barely get the words out. If you haven't yeah. watched Sense8, I'm pretty sure you couldn't have avoided hearing about it because uh, in you know in typical Netflix style it was it was uh, you know it was dropped the whole season all at once, but uh, it certainly had a huge buzz even continuing since um it was dropped at the beginning of of june a lot of web a lot of websites dedicated like av club reviewed every episode uh in full um it uh had panels at comic con it recently did a global g chat uh with the stars uh hasn't officially been picked up for a second season which is interesting but i think that's probably uh that's probably just waiting for the the ink to dry on the um on the contract because it certainly got a huge amount of attention um the story story is so that there are various individuals who um, can connect with each other sort of uh, telepathically and emotionally and actually sort of appear uh, and inhabit each other's bodies or appear to each other and that's known as a cluster and there's eight people hence the sense eight Uh, of of the title um, the first season introduces us to each of the members of uh, this cluster there's a very slight myth arc which picks up more in the last few episodes about uh, the, the sort of history of these clusters the fact that as usual there's some evil people out to co-opt or or get access to or harm people in these clusters but that's actually played quite lightly until the last couple of episodes most of the uh the 12 episodes focus on these eight different characters uh who are situated around the world and then coming to realisation of their connection with each other. But also it focuses on 
their own individual stories of what's going on in their life at the time. So each of the characters has something going, some shit going on in their life, which is sort of unconnected to, well, it's totally unconnected to the fact that they're, they're a member of this cluster. Um, it's a very international show. So we have, um, I'll just run quickly through the main characters. So there's Caffius, who's a uh, van driver in Nairobi. Uh, he's dealing with uh, being poor and uh, looking after his mother, who has AIDS. There's um, Sun, who's a, a, in, a Korean woman who's part of a, a biz, business dynasty who has to deal with being treated like shit by her father and her feckless brother. She's also a kickboxer. Um, there's Nomi, who's a hacktivist, getting back to uh, getting back to that trope, uh, living in San Francisco. Um, there's a, a scientist uh, called Carla, who lives in Mumbai, and she's going through a marriage to a man who um, it's not. It's almost not an arranged marriage. He loves her. She's sort of marrying him out of a sense of duty and because. Uh, her, you know, her expectations of her family. Um, and there's a nice little play there because she's a devout Hindu and also a scientist and there's a nice exploration running through a lot of this about sort of faith and science. There's a DJ from Iceland who's living in London. There's Wolfgang who's um, a, a, a criminal in Germany. There's a... Mexican actor who appears in sort of telenovela type, not telenovelas, but movies, uh, who's gay and closeted. And there's a Chicago police officer as well. And there's things playing out and he's investigating a murder that took place in his childhood. So all these individual stories, which all cover a whole lot of, there's a heist story, there's a murder mystery, there's a, you know, love story. There's all these different stories playing out and then this connection between all the characters as they realise they're emotionally connected to each other. Um, I've spoken enough. What did you think of Sense8, Ryan? <laughs> Oh, what did I think of it? Um, there were some parts of it that I really like. Um, I really like the globalness of it. I like that, you know, part of the episode we're in India, part of the episode... Also, I, here's the part that I don't like. We're in India and they're calling it Bombay, when actually it's called Mumbai. That annoys me. Um, you know, or we're in Africa, or you were in Iceland, or, you know... I like that a lot. I like that really big world feeling of it. Um, I enjoyed the first few episodes. The premise of it was kind of cool, how people are connecting and stuff. But by the time it got to about the sixth episode, I just sort of really started to lose interest. And by the eighth episode, I'm just not interested at all in it now. Um, I, the, and I, I said it earlier, and I was joking, but the gay agenda is really strong. I mean, if you look, if you take this as any inclination, you know, forty percent of the population is gay because I think forty percent of their their characters are either gay or trans, aren't they? Uh, let's see. We have one trans lesbian and one gay man. Well, two gay men. They're together. Oh, okay. But the but the, the character who's the sensate is. Um, is the gay character. So out of the eight sensates, we have a trans lesbian and one gay man. Yeah, so 40%. Um, uh, no, that's not... It's two out of eight. Yeah, 40%. Like, I don't need to do the math for you, Jules. I, I don't think. 
Um, <laughs> uh, which I think it takes over a lot more of the show than what's actually happening a lot of that time. At least it felt like to me. Um, well, now you know how I feel watching every other show on television. <laughs> well... Um, no, really. I mean, that's that's what it feels like to, for me to watch every other show on television going, oh, my God, like, every character is straight. And that's not my world. And that's really weird. And why aren't there any queer characters in this? So that's one thing I liked about this, that there was, you know, at least a smattering um, 25% rather than 40% of the characters you know, had some connection, um, you know, with being queer. But that's still only 75% of them were, you know, uh, not. Um, I can understand that for sure. Um, I don't know. I just really lost interest after after they sort of all just started figuring out what was going on. It seemed like at that point we really needed to move forward with the sensate story and we didn't. We went back and forth in between them and um, saw what was happening with their life a little bit more and that they're figuring out how this works. But we didn't have any real antagonism going on. Well, that was the last, as I said, probably the last four episodes are the ones where the myth arc picks up uh, and Naveen Andrews, that people who, who who will know from Lost plays, mm-hmm. a sensate from another cluster. And um, he's the one who... Uh, is unclear whether he's helping them or um, leading them into danger with the information he gives them. And um, there's the... Uh, uh, Terence Mann plays the um, uh, sensate who's is the baddie who's, who's called Mr Whispers because that's not a name that screams baddie. Um, and so that's the last four episodes are very much... And you get the connection. So the connection that hovers in the background has been... Um, that Sun in 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 um, in Seoul, her family's company is a pharmaceutical company, which is connected to um, Kathy is trying to get uh, and and there's a line about the the distribution of drugs and fake drugs in in um, in Nairobi through his story, and then there's um, Carla in in Mumbai, who's a scientist who works, and so you, these all come together as being part of connections about part of the company that's interested in trying to get the sensates so that that all gets tighter and drawn into the foreground and and then of course one of the um one of them gets kidnapped by the baddies and and that's when they actually start to come together physically uh in real time rather than sort of appearing to each other so you might need to watch the last four episodes to get that sort of uh, sense and it certainly ends with that at the foreground, they're all together, and and the setup for season two is how are they going to avoid the evil empire uh, or the evil corporation or whoever it is, and also what you know a bit we've learnt a little bit more about what these clusters are. I really liked the fact that um, I thought they handled really well how the characters deal with these sudden like appearance of people or suddenly you'll be, uh, you know, Caffius will be walking along in Nairobi and suddenly he's in Seoul. Um, I sort of like the really light way they handled that, um, that the characters are open to accepting these weird, this weird shit happening in their life. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
and and that they have their own individual stories so that um, it's not it's not just the sort of telepath telepath story there are different these different little stories going along uh, one of my favorites was Wolfgang the German um, uh, the German criminal, uh, mm-hmm. and you get a lot about you know so the tra- he's from East Germany and the tragedy of his upbringing and, and what he's trying to do, and then you get to see these characters then in in different situations. So he ends up connecting strongly with Carla, the uh, the scientist in India, and and what that does for both of them, and throwing together these these very different different people um uh Caffius and and um uh Sun connect and she's able to use her kickboxing skills to help save him from some thugs and um mm-hmm. it, it, I love how they the different tropes there's some amazing action sequences so if you think this is sort of a you know intellectual emotional sort of oh we're all connecting and being touchy-feely it's that as well but there's some fantastic action sequences in this um also, the the um, Lito, who's the Mexican actor, uh, who makes these sort of cheesy movies. There's a wonderful scene that um, gun gunplay scene in the museum, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which just amazing. Loved that. So you go from these sort of, as I said, these different genres. Um, and some, uh, there's a great San Francisco chase scene on bikes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of because they take these different stories and different genres, I mean, that's one of the things I enjoyed about it was this flip between heist and uh, mystery and uh, drama and romance between the different individual stories. Yeah, there was. There was a little different. I don't know. I'm not sure how it fell apart for me, but it got to a point where I was really enjoying it to where I just really wasn't enjoying it. Did you have that as well, or...? Is it just me? Uh, no, I didn't have it. I, I actually watched the whole thing in one sitting and have since re-watched most of it. Um, I, I, I loved it. I, I As I said, I love the individual stories. Um, some of the themes. So there's a big theme of being a fan of pop culture through it. Um, the there is yeah so you've got Caffius who's um he drive his van the van that he drives which oh, is yeah. like a bus is called the Van Dam and he's a big Jean-Claude Van Dam um fan and various of the other characters are fans um so Wolfgang I talked about talks a lot about how the importance of of TV and, and movies in his life growing up um obviously Leto is actually in the movies and there's this thread going through it about storytelling and about pop culture um, Nomi and her girlfriend, of course, in San Francisco, dropping pop culture references left, right, and centre. Um, so, uh, you know, that's another theme. And it's the Wachowskis. They, they, they're about con- connection between people, but also about different genres of of storytelling. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. of the themes in all their all their work. Um, and I, you know, I th- I think it worked worked so well here I mean I was engaged with all it wasn't something where I was like and I was just saying with um 
when we were talking about True Detective Season 2, how I felt the the ensemble actually worked against the show to some extent because there was storylines I wasn't interested in. I was interested Mm -hmm. in all these storylines. I think some of them are better realised than others. And, for example, the Will, who's the Chicago police officer, um, I think his story could have been a a bit more developed and and his relationship with his partner, uh, police partner in that, you know, was a bit underdone. Um, But the Mexico story I I adored um, and and I loved Wolfgang's story. Um, Probably less... um, Riley, who's the DJ from Iceland, she gets she gets better story once she goes back to Iceland, and that sort of ties in mm-hmm. with the with the history. But and I think having all these different cultures as well um, is again comes back to different POVs, and that they're all coming from very different, located in very different places culturally, but also in their lives, they're they're in different places. Um, and they've all got some form of struggle, but then we all do, don't we? Um, and the way that they come together. And it's funny as well. I think there's some, there's some hilarious um, scenes in it that can really that sort of sneak up on you. Because some of it I found quite moving. And there's action that's quite thrilling. And then there'll be scenes that are, that are really funny. Um, and I, all power to... I think the casting in it is, um, is really good. And I think everyone... Um, you know, really hits the mark with um, with their characters. Um, I really liked it, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, you really did. Uh, I think also maybe it's a trope I've always enjoyed, the whole, you know, um, you know telepathic connection between people um, and that sense of people who are very different can still find a connection. Um, and I thought it was so well executed here, particularly because they kept the big mythology in the background. I mean, the temptation would have been to foreground it and to have that as the big thing. Oh, my God, you know, what's happening to me? I can suddenly feel someone else's thoughts and I think someone's after me. But because they concentrate on the individual personal stories that are unconnected to the myth arc, you really get to know these characters and how different they are. So when they do come together that's a surprise and you're like oh god I never would have thought those two characters would connect um and I so I thought it was really well handled and balanced that way I could argue that I would have liked a bit more of the myth arc and and that Naveen Andrews character was certainly probably the most underdone um but then you know I think by the end of it we'd got more of that and I wouldn't want to wouldn't have wanted to give up any of the individual character development for um, uh, for the myth arc stuff because there's plenty of time for that in in season two. For, so for some for the Wachowskis, I thought they were really restrained uh, in in and Michael Stravinsky very restrained in in holding that back, if you like. Um, I know some people found it excruciatingly slow. Uh, it's not a because it does go through eight stories um, mixed within episodes. Um, if you're wanting a plot-driven show, it's not that. So I can understand some people found it. I think I heard someone say, if you get through the first episode and want to watch the second episode, it's your show. If not, you know, it's probably not your show. Um, mm-hmm. it, it holds up well for binge-watching because some people, some people seem to find the... Pl- 
the concepts and that confusing. I don't know why, uh, if you've ever watched or read science fiction, I don't think it's that confusing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think it, it, uh, having nearly rewatched the whole thing, it's certainly also on the second watch, you get so much more out of it because you sort of have the the basic concept of what's going on and you can sort of enjoy more the the other themes such as i said about you know about pop culture about identity you know and who would i be if i was in a different environment or what would i do if i was in that situation um i think that's uh and it does certainly play with uh, ideas around around gender and and sexuality as well there's i don't know did you get to the orgy scene Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't like the orgy scene? Mm-mm. No? Too many dudes. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and, of course, you have characters of different gender getting to inhabit each other. Uh, this hilarious sequence where Leto, the, the Mexican actor, is experiencing son's period pains, which, like, in some ways is a really cheap joke, but it was also hilarious because he's totally undone by it and he thinks he's got cancer and he's going to die. Um, I, I found that hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. I was laughing for days. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I thought it played with that, that stuff that stuff really well and didn't mm-hmm. put all of that onto the trans character to carry as often happens in these, you know, she wasn't the one who was, you know, she wasn't the one dealing with the, the sort of gender crisis or identity, even though that comes up, it's her, her story is about her uh, relationship with her family and their, her mother's inability to accept her transition. So, um, yeah, no, I look, some things are for some people, some things aren't. I um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Can't wait to rewatch it. Can't wait to um, see season two. Right. Um, I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll watch season two, unless something really fantastic happens in the last few episodes. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I it wasn't there for me. I didn't. I didn't care much for it. Well, I think I, I think it'll be worth watching the last few episodes just so you can see where when the plot around the myth arc starts to take off mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. because that's if that's what you were wanting. But as I said, I can understand some people um, are going to want more of that earlier, which you don't get. I appreciated not getting it earlier because in some, in some ways I know that story. I know that there's going to be evil people after the telepaths and, you know, that that that's less interesting to me because I've seen that story played out many times. But um, mm-hmm. I was more interested about the individual stories and how those connections um, came about. Really beautiful, beautiful uh, filming, I thought. Uh, don't can't even think about what the challenges were filming this because it was actually filmed around the world. They didn't just pretend Vancouver was eight different countries yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no mm-hmm. offense vancouver you do very well at looking like different countries but um uh it was actually nice to see things filmed in in different countries so all power mm-hmm. um all power to the wachowskis and Straminsky for doing that um Straczynski, i should say um so yeah i probably don't need to say Hit me up on Twitter to let me know what you think, because I think everyone I, <laughs> I 
think I know what all the people I, I know think about it. But uh, if you haven't caught it, give it a go on Netflix now. In every country's Netflix. Oh, wow. Really? That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So it hmm. was released on every country's Netflix at the same time. So you can watch it. Very cool. Well, there you go. Um, again, well done. Just, I don't know, fell a bit flat for me, I think. It may have been all the all the gay. Oh, Ryan. You know how I feel about the gays. Yes, well, we have to get you over that. I might just have to sit you down and play that orgy scene to you um, for 24 hours straight. I don't like it. There's too many dudes. <laughs> Not my idea of a good orgy. You? <laughs> uh, no, I don't want the dudes, but it doesn't mean I can't find um, mixed-gender orgies hot. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, all right. Well, that's 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 enough for one night, uh, Jules. I think we we covered some pretty epic television, to be honest. I mean, both of these shows are are certainly nothing you would have seen ten years ago on television and or the internet, as it were. And now um, we've moved into some pretty cool uh, cool new spaces. Uh, uh, both both in terms of. I suppose subject matter, as we said, Mr. Robot's got its fair fair share of uh, certainly drug use. I don't think I've seen so much morphine snorted since I can't remember who else on television I've seen <laughs> snort that much morphine. Um, but in terms of the style of storytelling, uh, they're both serialized stories, but they're definitely out of the box, and they're definitely. Um, playing with different modes of storytelling and you know particularly it's one thing to have a show like sense8 on netflix reinforces why netflix is important but to have a show like mr robot on usa network is probably even more important because that's really going okay we're taking a risk on something that's got certainly subject matter that is outside of anything that they've had before this you know this is not um i'm trying to think of white collar that was usa network wasn't it Mm, could be. I don't know. Is there actually. is there a tagline we do drama or is that TNT? That's TNT. Okay, so that must have been white call. I don't even know what else is on USA Network. Um, don't know. <laughs> tells you a lot. Uh, yeah. So watch these uh, and watch the second season of Red Road. We might get around to talking about that soon. What are we going to talk about next week, Ryan? Well, I think that there's some pretty incredible shows. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, I think we should get into Unreal, which is showing at the moment, which is, mm -hmm. I think you will like, is a darkly hilarious, uh, possibly one of the darkest comedies. And I know we've watched some dark comedies, but I think that's uh, that's getting up there. And uh, Okay, well, let's do Unreal. And then uh, Bobby Barron's a friend of the show, he suggested we check out Rectify. Oh, I don't know if I'll have time to get into Rectified before next week. That's that's a big ask. We'll see. Okay, well then here's another one. Let's look at a show called Impastor. Oh, okay. Haven't heard about that. There's only two episodes. Uh, <laughs> I can probably started. manage that. Well, I would hope so, Jules. But you know, um, and it's actually two weeks from today. We won't we won't worry about doing next week. Okay. So we should have time to do Unreal and Impastor are the two shows that we're going to do. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. 
for Ryan, Jules, and myself. Thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. I don't know.